It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, fight fans, to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and today I'm joined by Christian Schembe, all the way from Malta, who's going to be talking to us about his journey through the sport of boxing. And I'm excited to talk to you today, Christian, in this episode, because, you know, it's different when we have all these different guests on from all these different places of the world, and it's nice to understand different people's journeys and, and, and how they've transitioned into the sport, how they've found the transition from an amateur to professional careers and, and how the professional careers have gone and the ups and the downs, highs and the lows and everything that comes in between all that. So thank you for coming on and I'm really excited to hear your journey. Yeah, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm really pleased to be on here as well. And uh, You can ask away and I'll uh, tell you everything from boxing in Malta, how it is. And all about my career. I'm really happy to be on. Well, it's got to start at the beginning for me. Uh, and I want to know like, how you got into boxing. Where did all this career begin? Going right back to the beginning and, and sort of your fascination with this sport. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> basically my, my family from my father's side, uh, well, even my granddad from my mom's side, <clears throat> they, they were all quite a bit like fighters, you know, but not, not boxers. They were into martial arts. And back then... Like in the 70s and 80s, there wasn't any boxing in Malta or very little. So everybody was in martial arts and um, they used to do a lot of street fighting. Too much. They used to get too much into a lot of trouble. But anyway, so uh, even my cousins, <clears throat> the older ones. So then when I um, when I was growing up, we used to watch a lot of uh, Chuck Norris movies, Bruce Lee movies and stuff like that. And I used to do karate because I was bullied at school from a very young age. So my, my dad took me to karate. So it was <clears throat> always in me. But then when I reached uh, like my teenage years, I want not my teenage, like 10, 11, I, wanted, I started falling in love with football. 
and I wanted to try my hand at that. And uh, even because everybody at my secondary school um, was uh, playing football and I didn't know how to. <clears throat> and then it reversed. It didn't matter that I knew how to fight because I didn't know how to play football. Everybody was like kind of ostracizing me, you know, <laughs> putting me on the side. <clears throat> so um, then I played football for quite some time, but we, <clears throat> we still kept playing around, me and my dad at home. And then when I was 17, started drifting towards the game, kickboxing mainly. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, by the time I was uh, 20, I got fed up with football and uh, I took it on full like training, not full time. I was working still, um, but I just uh, focused on that, you know, I focused on kickboxing and boxing at the same time. I was having fights um, in both kickboxing and boxing during the year. Then in 2014, after uh, a kickboxing fight fell out and uh, like one of the toughest guys in Maltese boxing ever, um, he offered to step in and fight boxing. Um, he was a veteran. I think he, <coughs> he had like his first boxing fight when I was born in 92 or something like that. And uh, he took it on, I took it on. And um, I lost by like a point on two judges' cards, and uh, I won on the other one. And uh, it's funny, actually, I remember clear, clear as day. Um, the referee, I would have got a draw if I stopped on the third round, because the first day said it was a three round. The referee was going to stop it after the third round. He said, last round. Now that I don't know, man, we said we we're going to fight four. I want to fight four. I don't care what we're going to do. And uh, anyways, we fought the fourth round, and two of the judges gave it to the other guy. So I lost on a split. But anyways, after that, I decided that I'm going to just stick with boxing, you know? So it's, it's, <laughs> fair, it's fair to say then, isn't it? Like you've tried quite a few different sports. And I, I used to compete kickboxing here in the UK. And I also used to do boxing as an amateur uh, back when I was about 15, 16. So I've done a bit of both myself competitively. So I yeah. do know there's, there's a different sort of transition. And I'm just interested... Yeah. For someone else who's also done the same thing, who's transitioned from one sport to another competitively, how did you find that transition? And was there any difficulties in you going from kickboxing to boxing? Uh, not really, because I was doing them both at the same time. I think it would be a lot more difficult for someone who never threw kicks in his life from boxing to transition to kickboxing. I mean, <clears throat> kickboxers have a notoriously too high guard and they will be... To stand up and lack of head movement. So uh, when I started, when I when I started focusing on boxing only, um, I improved a lot. Like just like in a few months, you could see the difference in my technique. And the main thing was head movement because before, when I was kickboxing, I just I just used to block and punch back, block and punch back. Then I started keeping a lower stance and slipping and rolling more. Before, I was just pressure fighter going in all the time, just pong, drunk punches. I don't care if I get hit with three, four, five, as long as I get mine. Now I have a different perspective. But <clears throat> so, yeah, the transition wasn't that difficult. And um, I was, uh, even when I was fighting kickboxing, I always had good hands compared to my peers. Like even uh, people who had started kickboxing before me and I was fighting them. Because I had better hands than them, and I had kicks kicks from my karate days was, and uh, I'm quite flexible as well. 
um, um, I was still on, on the same level or better. So then when I transitioned to boxing, I didn't find it that hard, you know? Yeah, I, I, I totally relate to, to that. And I think one of the biggest differences between the two for me was the was the footwork and the movement as opposed to uh, when kickboxing yes. it's a little bit more static and obviously you, you, you kind of look into place your your kicks and your punches whereas with boxing you've got to use a lot more movement you've got to use your feet you've got to try and do these sort of small steps to get on the inside whereas when you're relying solely on on your legs which is predominantly what a lot of kickboxers use it makes yeah. it more it makes it more difficult to reach the target especially when you're you're quite a short individual like me i'm quite a short guy so every time i was always up against somebody i was always fighting somebody that was taller so the only way for me to get on the inside was just to sort of slowly work my way in and just just sort of these small little steps as i'm as i'm moving in and moving my head side to yeah. side and it was um it was quite interesting like to hear from your perspective how how the transition was just so smooth and so much different and and and, and how it's more preferred i mean i personally more preferred the boxing than i did the the kickboxing i was always more uh, better with my hands than I were with my feet because they had such yeah. short legs it was more difficult to get to the target so you had to rely on your hands instead so yeah that's it. it's, it's good to hear that that transition that you made into the sport and I think it leads nicely into where you where you went from there really because I don't think there's a lot of people here in the UK that are very educated on Maltese boxing and, and what boxing is like in Malta. So I suppose this is where you're going to come in and explain a little bit more to like me and, and the people that are listening to this interview, like how Maltese boxing works and, and, and suppose how it worked for you when you started going into boxing. Yeah, when I started, when I, when I went into boxing, um, there, there was no pro fighters in Malta and no amateur boxing either. So it was basically uh, unlicensed, unlicensed fights. We used to get a lot of our opponents from uh, the UK, from the unlicensed boxing scene, like the white color boxing scene yeah. on the UK. So, um, so yeah, so the standard wasn't very high. Um, I was lucky to, uh, um, my first coach alongside my kickboxing coach, the boxing coach was uh, Steve Martin. And uh, he used to train a lot with uh, Scott Dixon back in the day. You might remember, you might know the yeah. name. He's in Malta now. Um, I fought him three times actually. And uh, then uh, he trained a lot. Then he started. He trained with. Uh, he got Colin McNeil to Malta. I think he was a good Irish amateur, if I'm not mistaken, or Scottish. And Barry Smith. Right now he's helping. Uh, with uh, Ben Davison, you know, he's helping him with his fighters and he used to come. So I was lucky in that way that I had uh, a good, a coach who trained from coaches uh, with lineage and experience, not someone who saw someone do box fit and he said, okay, I'm going to start teaching box fit because yeah, boxing, there are these kind of coaches still in Malta, you know. Um, so anyways, and it was good as well that they had the connections. Um, but then slowly, Steve turned pro and we used to fight uh, on the same shows. We used to have like semi-pro fights first and then the pro fights at the end. Um, and then slowly, slowly, the amateur boxing because a lot of kids started to train more because boxing before was seen kind of like a, a dodgy sport, you know, where either like ex-criminals or uh, like people, I don't know, like troublemakers used to get into it, you know? 
Um, so, but then when they started organizing the the semi pro the semi pro boxing shows, the licensed ones with uh, as much effort put into them and as much quality as a pro boxing show abroad, yeah. um, and a lot of people starting to come with their kids to watch because there used to be like four, five, six, seven, eight a year. Um, a lot of kids started training, and you get you, you couldn't put them in. So then the amateurs start again again. Um, I mean, COVID put an end to all of that, and we're trying to start again now. Um, but anyways, then slowly, slowly, fighters started to turning pro. Um, the thing, the, the level was not that good, um, as you know. Like uh, you, th- when you're beating English fighters, you think like from my end, I thought I was having a pretty good level because I'm fighting like English guys and I'm beating them and whatever. And then. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. When I turned pro, um, that went well against Scott Dixon, first fight. Um, although I lost on a split decision. Um, then when I went to London to train for the first time for a week, I got like 10 beatings in five days. So then you realize, listen, the level is not the same and there needs to be a change in Malta for us to reach that level. Now, fortunately, a lot of the guys from my generation have been abroad to train in different countries, fighting abroad and stuff like that. And uh, now we are coaching the younger people in the way that need to be coached. I mean, competition is always going to be less um, to reach that level. Because, like, um, in England, if you go in at an amateur boxing class, you will have a guy with one or two bouts, training with a guy who's had no bouts and is joining for the first time. But they are both seeing someone who has, like, 50 or 60 fights if he's not with the GB. So from that, they will learn a lot faster. But hopefully one day we can reach that level, yeah. So it's obviously that's a great difficulty with with Maltese boxing is they are obviously you know with all due respect levels behind a lot of the major countries that that have boxing yeah. as 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 a key sport in that country. So obviously yeah. there's a, there's a little bit of way of a way to go. But I know that you've found as you've rightly pointed out that there are different levels to the sport and suddenly you find out that actually the people you have been fighting with the greatest of respect to them are, are nowhere near the sort of the standard level that you expect exactly. out of out of out of certain fighters and and this is why like you rightly said again it was why a lot of fighters from from across Europe in particular always come over to England because they want to get these opportunities they want to take these opportunities and now and again some of these guys do come over and actually upset the apple cart and and cause these upsets and actually start to make a name for themselves uh you know there's probably out of every 10 fighters that do come over you'd probably say that you know five or six of them maybe aren't at that level but then there's a good there's a good five four or five of them that probably I've got that potential to go on and do something within the sport. And I know throughout the course of your career, which we're going to go into, 
you know you've experienced the, the different highs and the lows of, of of these levels and you you mentioned Scott Dixon obviously Scott will be remembered over here for for fights with some notable names in the sport he was a former commonwealth champion he fought the likes yeah. of Jamie Moore and Matthew Macklin you know these are household names to the average british fight fan over here so you know for you to share the ring with someone with so much experience yeah. not just once not just twice but three times is obviously it is giving you that quality experience that you need even though obviously Scott's a, a, an older guy now he still possesses that quality and that skill that yeah. that benchmark of what you expect to find when when you fight guys at a certain level so I'm interested to know now like where your career when your career started and, and how it sort of has progressed on over over the past five six years since you turned pro in 2015 yeah um, so I think the first Scott Dixon fight was an eye opener in uh, two ways. Now, I used to do some, well, I used to do wrong things, and I still do wrong things with my technique up until now. But back then, I used to do a lot more things. So when I shared the ring with him, even though I went ten rounds, and a lot of people said I should have won the first fight, probably it's a blessing that I didn't. Um, uh, I noticed some things which I which I needed to start doing differently, like let let go of my shots with them and a bit more, whip them a little bit more than I used to. Um, and uh, then it caught my it caught the attention that I it caught my attention that I need to start investing in myself more. So like the money from the full time from my full time job, I save from it, and the purses that I get from boxing, I save them and travel with them. You know. Um, I stayed like hostels and with a room. Like the first time I stayed in a room with uh, six other people or seven, then I said, "Nah, no more." <laughs> so, um, but I used to stay like in a room with three or four other guys or two, and uh, in the beginning, and I used to go before every pro fight. I went again before my second fight with Addiction because so I lost the first one. Then I fought, that was September. Then I fought in December or November it was. And I won that one against Jamie Lambert. Then I fought against the guy, I forgot his name, but he was shit. And I knocked him out in the second round. No, I mean, no, he shouldn't have been a drink. That's what I told him after the fight. And uh, I told him, get back to training and don't fight for another year. And uh, then I fought... Uh, Scott Dixon game. So before I fought, before I fought Scott Dixon again, I went for another week in London to train with Barry. And what I used to do was that um, I come back, I write notes of what I <clears throat> do during training, what he says, and uh, the drills that he gives me. And when I see the other guys training, and then work on it over here in Malta myself. So uh, basically, that's how it progressed. Then over the years. I mean, at first I thought I was going to keep winning and winning and winning. And after four or five years, I'll be fighting for a world title. But then again, you realize levels. Um, I believe I have the potential to at least, if not world championship, to like fight for European and maybe win it. But slowly, slowly, baby steps. Um, uh, but yeah, so I kept the first time I traveled to Rome on a short notice fight and uh, I lost on points. Um, then uh, I came back I won some more kept on traveling and you know then uh, I've won some and lost some but over the years I think I'm a million times better fighter than uh, when I started out 
and all thanks to these experiences of going abroad investing in myself I've been uh, training in uh, in New York in New York and England and London and Sweden and Hungary and I fought in uh, Switzerland I fought in Italy I fought in Stoke as well against Nathan Heaney so yeah I took I took I took my losses but I've won quite a bit as well and I think there's plenty more left in me I think that's one thing people are going to look at when they, they listen to the interview with you, is they're going to look at you and go, right, okay, he's had 30 fights, he's won 21 of them, he's lost he's lost nine of them. But I think it's key to sort of point out to, to, to people that are listening, that, that are getting to know you through here, is that you've rightly pointed out the levels in boxing are so different. And if, you're not, if you've not had the apprenticeship, within boxing and gone up through them levels and, and progressed the way, say, a standard fighter in, say, the UK or the US does, then it makes it much more difficult. And it's also about being able to get opponents that are at a certain level. I mean, obviously, if you're fighting a lot in Malta and you're finding that the level of opposition is so much more different to what you're seeing when you go to these different countries, you start to realise, actually... You know, I need to travel a little bit more. I actually need to go to these different yeah. places and take these fights with these different opponents because how are you going to progress? How are you ever going to progress if you don't do that? And this is exactly what you've done. So whilst your record might show nine losses on it, actually, when you look at the, 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 the depths of that record, you can see that you've travelled, you've been to different places, you've fought different people. You mentioned Nathan Heaney, and, and for people that are UK fight fans that are listening, they will know who Nathan is. You know, we spoke about it off the podcast, and we were talking about, like, in the UK, he's regarded as someone who's got this potential to go quite far within the sport. Now, you went 10 rounds with him only two years ago. You took him the distance and people regard him as an opponent to to sort of a force to be reckoned with within the division. So for you to take him 10 rounds just shows to me on the outside that you've progressed levels from where you started out at because other opponents have fallen sooner and, and have struggled badly with Nathan whereas you've been able to come in there and, and, and give him a few things to think about, a few problems, and shown that your level has gone from there up to up to there. So sort of, you know, lower to higher to higher as the fights have gone on. And you've rightly pointed out so many times throughout the course of this interview that it's about learning, it's about continuing to learn. It doesn't matter if you have nine losses, 10 losses, 11 losses on your record. But if you're learning throughout the course of that and you're stepping them levels up and you start to see the differences in, in the training and, and, and everything that you're doing, then that's where you start to see that actually you have got the potential to move forward within your career. And you're at a point now that, where you're looking to do that. You're actually at a point where you feel you know, you've gone through these different levels and now you're ready to start stepping this up to a point where you believe you've got the potential to go on and at least fight and potentially win a, a European title. Yeah, that's what that's what I uh, that's what I believe. I've always believed it, but when I met different coaches and trained with different coaches, and they show me things, and I start doing them, and I impress myself um, um, that I can that I can do these things, um, then of course I will have a lot more belief in myself. Like uh, this this week, I this year, a couple of months ago, I trained with uh, Peter Fury. They were over here in Malta and I was going to go there. Then I suffered an injury and I couldn't. Um, that was going to keep me out for like the majority of this year. 
um, I had an eye injury. So, um, so yeah, when you get positive feedback from guys like that um, and guys who have experience, I told you off. Uh, no, I told you over here as well. I trained with uh, Barry Smith. I trained with Henry Wharton as well. You know Henry Wharton? Yeah, everybody in the UK knows Henry Wharton. He's uh, yeah, a, great, a, a great fighter from from the nineteen nineties. Uh, had some fantastic fights, in particular with with Robin Reed, and and we know him really well. And he, he's obviously training a few fighters here in the UK. So yeah, he's he, got some really good talent in the gym. I spent three weeks there training with him um, before the Nathan Heaney fight. But what I, what uh, what you mentioned and what is very 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 important and the uh, some people do not actually um, understand the importance is the apprenticeship, especially in the amateurs. Um, when you look like at, my, at myself and other fighters who started at the same time, um, we quickly reached a ceiling before turning pro because the unlicensed, the unlicensed scene has a very low ceiling. Um, when you when you have the amateurs, there's so many different levels, so many different skill levels, so many different styles you're going to encounter. So when when you turn when you turn pro, you will have already you will already you have already experienced like most of the things you're gonna find in boxing, except like the distances, the toughness, the lack of headgear back then. And uh, we didn't have that. And I actually think as well that I turned pro way too early as well. Um, because uh, if I hadn't turned pro and I kept on traveling and training in different countries was taking over in the semi-pro scene, I would have improved a lot more. Okay, I wouldn't have, uh, I would have a better record. Okay, I wouldn't have improved from the fights that I took, but uh, it's good to improve in the gym as well. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it's uh, safe to say you're not doing this the easy way. And I don't think there is any easy way in boxing, but you certainly nah, you're certainly trying to pay you your learn dues. With punches to the head, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're certainly paying your dues before before you get to that level you want to be at, and it's it's great to hear your enthusiasm, ambition that you have for the sport, and and how you want to uh, you know take boxing, not just take it but you want to take it and turn it on its head and you want to be you, you know you're Maltese and you want to be showing that boxing in Malta is, is is on the rise it's on the up you know there's there's a way to go to get it to where it needs to be of course that, that's understandable it's going to take a number of years to get that sort of foundation to be really solid but you know you're someone who's coming out and, and going to different countries and fighting different people and, and proudly doing it uh, as a Maltese person who who wants to 
you know, represent his country and, and show that, you know, we actually, we've got some decent fighters over here. We've got some guys that are actually oh, coming through. So, Christian, I just wanted to jump a little bit into your your personal life. We've touched a lot about boxing and spoke a lot about, you know, Maltese boxing, boxing in Malta, where things are, a little bit about your career, your rise through the ranks and, and where you're at at the moment. But I'm interested to know a little bit more about you and, and, and you as an individual. Now, I know a few little bits of information that, that Mark... Uh, Wilson Smith has kindly passed on to me uh, to tell me a little bit about what you what you actually get up to outside of the ring. So I was quite interested to read through a few of these little tidbits. And he uh, he, he mentioned uh, a couple of bits of information. One of them, he said, is you're actually quite a, uh, you, you love animals. You're quite a, a big animal lover, and uh, you were actually adopted a horse. Uh, and, and also, you're actually speaking out a lot against animal cruelty, which is uh, something that's quite close to uh, a lot of people's hearts. Yeah, no, uh, I. I think, well, when I was thinking about animal, uh, well, I'm vegan. So that that's the first thing. I've been vegan now since 2017. And um, talking about animal cruelty and stuff like that, I don't want to touch on that anyways, but uh, like on the whole veganism thing. But when uh, I speak out against animal cruelty, I give people this example. Um, how many people have betrayed you or acted in bad faith against you in your life? And they will tell me it's like, I don't know, five, six. And then I tell them, how many animals? It's like zero. Or maybe, ah, there was a dog that bit me. Yeah, but what did you do? What did you take away from the dog, you know? It's his, but anyways, that's why I'm, I love animals so much because they just show loyalty, mostly loyalty and love. And uh, for me, for people to act cruelly against animals and violence, violence against animals, especially with no, no reason at all, just for fun or whatever, just like, I don't know, kicking cats and dogs or whatever mm-hmm. on the street, um, I think you have to be really heartless. Um, I don't, and I know it might sound a bit rich coming from a boxer, but we have a choice. They don't, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like, He's coming over asking for a fight. I mean, yeah, what is it? So, yes, I am a bit of an animal lover in that way. Um, We adopted a horse for me and my wife for uh, a couple of years. Um, Then now she got another horse because she's uh, quite, uh, she's an equestrian rider. She's quite a good one as well. She she jumps and we have... uh, a French bulldog. He's at my at my feet at the moment, smelling my socks <laughs> <laughs> after a day at work. So so yeah, my mom has got two dogs as well. We've always had dogs in the family. So uh, yeah, I mean, animals they just show love. So you have to show love back. So also, you talk about being in the gym. You, I believe you're also coaching as well. You're not just uh, you're not just training for your own individual needs, but you're also trying to help. The, the youth, the the, the the future of of Maltese boxing essentially. And you're you're trying to teach some of these kids this discipline and trying to show him the foundations and the fundamentals of, of what this sport is all about. Yeah, um, so basically coaching is my full-time job as well. Like fighting is a, a side thing. <laughs> um, and I hold uh, group classes, I hold kids classes as well. I do one-to-one training during the day. 
and um, I've got all sorts of people training with me. I've got uh, like kids who come twice a week, and they just uh, they just do it for fun whilst uh, I'm teaching them the basics. I hold off from sparring with kids until the, if if not with me until like they're like 11, 12 years old and they really want to do it. Because um, some kids might like it and some kids it might really scare them and they just don't show up anymore. And it's better that they do 50% of something than 100% of nothing. And one of the really big problems with obesity and inactivity in kids and adults as well. So you have to keep that in mind. And uh, then at the moment I've got um, quite a bit of, uh, well, not quite a bit, but I'm training three, two guys and a girl at the moment, like uh, one's Colombian, one's Spanish and one's, uh, and the girl is Maltese um, for a fight show on the 13th of May. So I try to give them as much of my time as possible because um, I believe as well that whatever, if if you don't teach and pass on what you've learned yourself, it will die with you. But if you try and teach it to, let's say, another three people, and out of those three people, two decided to pass it on to three other people themselves, um, I think you can do a whole lot of good, you know, especially if what you're teaching is a, is a good thing. Um, if you don't pass on your knowledge, it's uh, what you've learned over the years. It's uh, it's a waste and a shame. In yeah, my, in my opinion, I agree. I, I totally agree. And it's a it's a great mindset to have. What's the point of taking everything with you to the grave if you if you can't pass on especially that wisdom? With, especially with kids in a sport like boxing, which can instill a lot of discipline. Yeah. Um, and if you teach them that, it, it will just help them in life as well. You know. Because uh, if you, if they take the discipline that they learn in boxing through their daily life, um, they will be a lot better for it. I mean, boxing, like, I was rolling down the hill when I was 19 years old and boxing stopped me and grabbed me back up. So. <laughs> and it has that effect on a lot of people and that's why it's, it's so important. Uh, I mean, like in the UK, just as an example for the for, for us like the crime knife crime in particular is is, is horrendous at the moment uh, every single day i keep seeing news reports of people being stabbed in different parts of the country here in england and, and the uk as a whole and boxing's one of them things where they, a lot of people are trying to champion it being put back into the education and into the curriculum again in in the uk in schools to try and make it part of physical education because it provides a discipline it doesn't always necessarily have to be about punching each other in the face it could be the training element of it the discipline element of it that actually brings people into line and, and gives them a focus and, and a motivation in life and actually sends them you know down the right path as opposed for them looking at a different way of trying to channel their anger and frustration and unfortunately sure. a lot of the times when people do that it, it leads to, to to sort of serious crimes happening so it's uh, it's it's good that you're doing what you are doing at the moment with the kids around to try and give them something different, something different to look forward to, even if it is they never ever step into a ring to spar, to box, whatever, but they've got this motivation yeah. and focus, then that alone is, is is something you should be, you know, commending yourself and, for. And, and on a much smaller scale, if someone has enough confidence in him to throw a punch, he'll be less likely to glass or stab someone. So. Well, I think that's quite their direct interest yeah. for like the UK at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's one thing I wanted to uh, ask you as well. Is uh, like we've talked about 
uh, the, the boxing as a whole, but we've not really talked about the promotional side of things and, and how things work. Have, have you had any experience of, of, of how the promotions work in Malta? And I, have you ever been involved within the promotion directly or uh, have you got well, any plans yeah, to? to be involved, but because it's like, it's like the small hall shows, like where you have to sell tickets and stuff like that. Um, sponsors are not that are not that uh, not that much. So uh, like for the show, so I mean, it's not it's, it's not that big. Like there's not that much money in boxing in Malta. So uh, you would have like anywhere between six hundred to one thousand two hundred or five hundred on a good night. And boxing, I've always been promoting myself as much as I can. Um, since I began, because I always understood that if you, if you don't sell tickets, you're not going to get fights. Um, but then recently as well, I've started helping out with uh, with some promotions, especially during the COVID times, um, when um, the promoter, who's also my manager, Damastano, um, he uh, kind of wanted to take a backseat because he was starting to see like all this red tape around everything. Um, so I said, well... If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I started contacting fighters, putting everything together. Then, uh, thankfully, he stepped in like the last two, he steps in the last two, three weeks back then, um, like in 2020, 2021. And then he takes care of all the logistics, like table setting. There's more traditional of VIP tables with drinks and food on them um, because uh, that is a lot more profitable than uh, a normal seated ticket. Um, but yeah, that's uh, then that was quite stressful having to organize and fight at the same time. I remember when I fought in October, two in October 2021, I fought against uh, no, in October 2020, I fought against uh, Angel Emilov, and I had a really good fight. Um, one of my uh, one of my favorite fights, the way I used my technique and stuff like that. But I remember on my way out to the ring, I'm like. What ring walk did I use? What ring song did I? Uh, uh, what walking song did I? Did I? Do? And I'm like, no, I'm never gonna do it again. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so there's yeah, a lot more so to it, isn't there? Just, yeah, and uh, people think that promote. Some people think that promoting the show is just put two and two together and you get four, but it's a lot more. It's a lot, a lot more than that. A lot more than that, especially when you get uh, late pullouts from the fights. Um, you. And uh, you have to find replacements, book the flights, and whatever. Sometimes it gets crazy. Like last last uh, last November, I fought at a, at, a, at a show. It wasn't promoted by us. Um, I fought another other promoter's show, and they pulled out all the stops to make sure that I fought because. So you know, like there's the green list, amber list, red list, and dark red list for COVID countries. So. The guy, first I was I was supposed to fight a Ukrainian guy who was taller than me and uh, orthodox. Then they found out that Ukraine was a red-listed country. So he would have had to quarantine when coming into Malta for two weeks. When I fought. Then they got in a Georgian guy. And Georgia was on the red, not dark red list. So as long as he provides proof of vaccination, um, he could enter the country. So they got him in. On the day of the weigh-in, he arrived in the morning and some really intelligent person at the airport security staff decided that Georgian Pfizer jab isn't the same as a Maltese or European jab, Pfizer jab. 
So they made him wait for like 10 hours in a confinement in a room until the promoter was talking to the airport. The airport sent him to the tourism ministry of the government. Then the tourism ministry sent him to somewhere else until he had to use his context to reach some very high-ranking officials of Malta. And they told him, listen, just let the guy in. He fights and then he goes back home. So, uh, yeah, it's not that simple promoting. No, it, it certainly doesn't. It's not that simple, I think, anywhere. There's so many different variables to it that I don't think people genuinely see uh, from, from the outset. They don't understand how, how many different issues can actually go on in the in the weeks, the days, and even the hours leading up to fight night, which we know is, is, is very difficult. A couple of great examples from yourself there. Uh, so I suppose finally, Christian, moving, moving into you know, wrapping this interview up, I really want to come back and focus on, on you and, and just get a, a bit more of a summary of, of your aspirations now moving forward. Because we've talked a lot about your career, where it's been, where it started, where where you've got up to so far and, and, and the differences in the levels. But I'm, I'm curious to know, like, now, where where do you go? What do you do? And, and, and ultimately, what do you want to get out of this at the end of it all? Um, well, I, I'm not a prize fighter. I'm a pride fighter. I, I fight for my, for my pride and honor. Um, so I want to keep fighting as long as I can do it at the best of my abilities. And I want to be back in the ring by late October, early November. And then during the, then kick on next year and, uh, got some good contacts now in England. I'm training with, uh, along with Steve Martin, I'm training with another guy called Paul Quornby. He had a very good gym in Hetton La Hole. He's in Montreal. And after I started training with him, I got this injury. And, but we're still in contact and he's going to hop down to the gym this week. So we're going to train together again. And we've got some good contacts that uh, hopefully you're going to see me in some British rings uh, very soon and upsetting the apple cart. That's the and one. from there, maybe I get some title shots that I want to. I have, my dream is to win the European title, the blue one, the blue belt. That's, that's the thing. I mean, I would settle for other regional title belts, you know, beggars and choosers. Uh, <laughs> we don't we don't have any Eddie Hearn in Malta or Frank Warren. But uh, I believe I can do it. I believe I just, I just need a chance, you know, even just... Get a late notice, two weeks, three weeks. I make the weight, jump in, and uh, yeah, I want to get one of those titles, one of them, a European title, a regional title. Uh, the ultimate dream would be a world title, of course, but slowly, slowly, step by step. Absolutely. So, where can people find you then on social media to follow your journey, follow what you're doing in the gym, what you're doing in general? Where can they follow you to do that? Well, uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, as uh, Christian Chaos Shkemri, which is spelled C, my nickname, Chaos is my family nickname. It's called, it's spelled C O Q Q O S. And uh, they can find me on Instagram as well, which is uh, C O at C O Q Q O S Chaos underscore Christian. Um, and I regularly post uh, updates about. Uh, my career, like stories from my classes, like video clips from my training and stuff like that. Try to keep it active on social media as possible. So they will enjoy it. 
Fabulous. Well, you know what? It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been a pleasure to hear more about the way things are for you, the way things work in Malta, what you do aside from boxing, of course, as well, and, and what your future ambitions are for this sport. And and like you said, we hope to see you uh, back in the UK. You know, hopefully there's a lot of there's a lot of UK middleweights out there looking for opponents. I uh, want to fight in London now. <laughs> that's it. You want to get these uh, big opportunities to show that you actually have come on so far from from where you started out at and it's been a pleasure having you on so thanks so much for taking the time out to to speak to me and i hope uh, i hope everything goes the way it does and i'm sure we'll catch up again in the future to sort of see where things are pleasure was all mine and i look forward to it Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.